I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where we give hangers on the boot in Mad Max Free Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 28, which begins with Slit getting distracted, and it ends with Nux speeding through the storm towards the war rig. Our guests this week are a pair of groovy cats, Johnny Powers of Austin Powers Minute and Niall McGowan of the Bat Minute Podcast. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I was gonna. I was all planning. Should I, should I say witness, witness or something like that? But I was like, oh, everyone's gonna be saying that. I don't think anybody has said that yet. Not that I can think of. Really? Oh man. I was like, all right then. I'll edit that out. Witness and just put that in. <laughs> don't get me wrong. We have had people having instances of saying it enthusiastically. It's not like we've been completely devoid mm. of witness requests. <laughs> Dropping into the inbox. Well, I have to say, though, that that's one of the... Like, this movie seemed to have so many, like, instantly iconic lines. Like, there's like, at least three or four I can think of off the top of my head. And, like, one of them's in this week of minutes as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Like, literally within, like, a month of the movie been out, everyone was, like, quoting these lines and everybody knew what they were and stuff. It's like, it's been a while since I've seen that actually, like, occur in a movie. Like, not many, like, Marvel movies or anything would pull that off of, like... People will be like, oh, I saw it. I don't remember any lines from it, but like I did see it. Whereas this thing's like, oh, you remember the sparse dialogue that there is. Now that I think of it, like the percentage of dialogue that is now in our quoting culture must be huge because there's not much dialogue to begin with. And we quote, it must be like half the movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. I had never considered that when you take the amount of dialogue in a movie as a whole. Like, let's have that be the circle of the pie chart. (laughs) And then every line is a little slice of that pie. And when you think of how many people commonly refer to that overall whole on a frequent enough basis, Fury Road could have some pretty big pie slices compared to other movies. Right up there with, like, Princess Bride. Another incredibly quotable movie. I mean, these are, like, really poetic. Poetic one-liners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find it funny we're talking about dialogue in a minute specifically that has one word <laughs> and it's a carryover from last Friday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say, though, as I, like when I saw these uh, minutes you gave out, like I was like, oh, these are like, pretty, these are pretty good minutes. Although with Fury Road, they're all good minutes, really. But I was slightly disappointed because I think we're like maybe like one or two minutes off from a, a sight of the doof. I was like, oh, man. Yes, that was a great minute. (laughs) But he was like, that was one of the things, like, I don't think I'd caught him in any of the promotional material. So, like, in the cinema at the time, it's like, holy crap, that is amazing. And that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about after the movie was done. It's just like, I didn't, you know, it's just, I love anything, which is just needless excess. And that's like, yep, that's what that guy is. It's the epitome of, like... Doesn't need to be here. Doesn't really serve any purpose, but he's pretty cool. And he's just going for it. It's amazing. Now, folks who've been listening to us for a while have already heard this, but Niall, have you ever heard the in-universe justification for the Doof Warrior? No, I don't think so. He is a, um, is drum major the right word? Like, 
when you look at old-timey paintings and you see the fife and the drum and the trumpets. Well, like a little drummer boy. Yeah, like that's the doof warrior. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's there to communicate orders. Oh, okay. And All that's right, the right. justification. It's still to excess, but, you know, <laughs> he's out there working. I do enjoy the fact that, oh, because if this is considered, like, I know some people will be very fast and loose with the the continuity of these movies, where it seems like you could almost take each one as been like, ah, oh, it's, it's not really a sequel to the last one. But, you know, in other words, in other ways, it is. Kind of like the contrast between the Tim Burton Batman movies and the Joel Schumacher's ones. Like, you can consider them sequels. But other people are like, no, they're not connected in any way. But I do love the fact that, like, in The Road Warrior, the whole thing is about, like, getting fuel and, like, the, the sparsity and, like, the need for fuel and stuff. And then you have this one, the Doof Warrior, who must be just pissing away loads of petrol by just, like, yeah, this needless flame guitar that he's just, just throwing around, like, with wild abandon. It's like, well, I guess in this area of this barren wasteland, they've got fuel to literally burn, I guess. But, like, he just wants to rock, man. Let him do his thing. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not judging him. I fully support his life choices. Because if I could do that as a career, even though I can't play guitar, I don't even know how well he can play guitar. <laughs> it's more just he's just going for it. I was like, I think I could do that. Maybe if I, like, you know, maybe you have to sort of just dress for the job you want. Maybe if I just went around with the flame guitar <laughs> and the mask and the red, you know, body stalking and stuff, maybe someone <laughs> would, would let me, like... You know, hang out in the back of their truck with a big amplifier or something. So I'm going to try this. this Monday, come Monday morning, I'm taking this up. This is my new task. Life is all about having goals. <laughs> Absolutely. Just because someone says you shouldn't doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't. <laughs> but your mileage may vary. <laughs> it's like the old adage... They say dress for the job you want, and now I'm sitting outside of human resources dressed as Batman. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I tried that, though. It's just, it's pretty sweaty. <laughs> like, that bat, that Batman outfit ain't, uh, it doesn't have a lot of, um, it's not very kind to people, as pretty much any actor who's ever worn it will tell you. <laughs> Rubber doesn't exactly breathe? No, no. You'd be better off wearing one of the costumes from Johnny's movies. Yeah, they're very um, polyester, cotton, blend, breathable. Uh, well, when I was actually, when I was a teenager, I had a, a big velvet jacket face. Like, I had oh, loads boy. of, I just went through, I had like a purple velvet jacket, a green velvet jacket, a black velvet jacket and stuff. Like, not all at the same time, but like, there was, uh, for some reason, there was just a shop, you could always get them. So when I was like, maybe 15 through 20, you know, I kind of went through a phase of the, the, the velvet jackets and stuff. But uh, they're very, they're very, very difficult to clean. So <laughs> after a while, I was like, I don't know that, but... Uh, I did also like I never had the the the, the frilly cravat, unfortunately. But if uh, you know if, if there was one on offer, I wouldn't have said no. I think I'm more into the outfits of this movie, <laughs> like the industrial like olive drab sort of colors, and yeah, clearly it doesn't matter if you keep it clean or not. Mm. It's not going to matter. And I like the idea of you can add your own armor as you see fit. <laughs> <laughs> Although to be fair, like uh, Immorta and Joe's uh, wives. They seem like the, all their white stuff seems pretty pristine. Like they're they're keeping clean anyway at some point. But uh, even when they're out in the desert, sometimes like oh, they doesn't seem to have a speck of dust on them in some shots. But it's pretty impressive. We'll get to the wives at some point. We have only seen one glimpse of them so far in this movie. When Angherid thought it would be a good idea, Rick said with a questioning inflection. 
to crawl out of her hiding space in the middle of a battle and complain about hiding away. But we'll get to see later on in this movie that as far as their outfits are concerned, they didn't really pack to journey (laughs) at all. Well, yeah, they're basically refugees. That's true. They didn't have much to start with. They just leave. When it's time to go, it's time to go. And you go with whatever you have on. And living in this perfect, pristine world, you know, they weren't wearing much. (laughs) Well, and the fact that they're like concubines, that doesn't help either. Yeah, being locked in a harem like that, you don't exactly have a wealth of clothing options available (laughs) to pick from for any given situation. Speaking of picking things out of thin air, though, when we last joined Nux and Slit and Max on this car, we found Max pinned to the top of the car and Slit's got this knife thing on the end of his hand. And I called it a punch dagger. And that was wrong <laughs> because it's technically a katar, which is an Indian style weapon. It is still held in a closed fist. So it's similar to a punch dagger, but it's a bit more beefy. What it's not is typically something that would be used to decapitate someone. Stab, yes. Stab till the cows come home. (laughs) Well, he's making do with what he's got. Exactly. He really wants to decapitate Max. He has a blade. He's going to make it work. But, I mean, he's also high, so he's probably like, yeah, this will work. What Slit needs to be is focused, because as Nux calls up to him, alerting him to the giant sandstorm they're about to drive into, Slit turns his head, giving Max more than enough of an opening to take those tables and just turn them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's quick. Oh, it happens so quick. It's beautiful. Well, we saw at the beginning of this movie, Max was up against an entire hallway full of dudes. And through punches and kicks, he beat all of them away and almost escaped. If not for, you know, hanging from a crane and having nowhere else to go. Yeah. (laughs) So if he can fight off a whole hallway full of dudes, what is one guy going to do? I mean, it's pretty impressive that, like, it, it, I don't know, maybe you guys have to do, like, a running thing throughout the whole movie, but, like, every <laughs> time I've watched this, I've always been distracted by, like, how much blood is he losing as well? Right. Oh, yeah, I even forgot about that. And the fact, too, like, the, you know, the more activity you're doing, the faster your heart's beating. So he's pumping blood out of him. But mm-hmm. he nev- it never seems to affect him. I kind of thought that that was going to lead to like, something, like, maybe he'd feel woozy during, like, a fight or something because of the blood loss. But he seems to be okay, like, the whole the whole damn movie. Like, even at the end, when he's just like, all right, just pump some of, some of my blood. I got plenty, apparently. <laughs> you know, that's one thing we've never really examined. When you've got someone hooked directly from one blood vessel into another, is all of the blood in the vein that the needle is stuck into going out of the needle? Or is most of the blood flowing around it and only some of the blood is going out? Oh, I see what you mean. So the destination of the vein, is it actually getting anything? Plus, when the blood goes into Nux, like he's already got a body full of blood and it's not like you're just heaping loads of blood into a system that's already full of blood. I don't know how transfusions necessarily work. (laughs) Like Nux isn't (laughs) bleeding is what I'm saying. Right. He already has a body full of blood. He's adding to it. So how much can he hold? Yeah. What's the fill rate? (laughs) I'm literally trying every way in the world to Google this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how do I even? This is what happens when we don't think of the important questions before we record. Mm. (laughs) 
I've been caught out a few times, uh, like in, in recent, recently on Batman, where some like a guest will come in with a question, and they're like, "Have you researched that?" And I've been like, "Uh, no, no, <laughs> I guess I should have." <laughs> it's like, all right, don't shame me, man. I'm just gonna cut it out in editing anyway, so I look cool. I feel like we're caught at the end of the movie Contact, where in that movie she's like, "Oh, they should have sent a poet." In this situation, oh, we should have sent a phlebotomist because <laughs> they would know. A phlebotomist would know. They're all about that blood. My only memory of contact is the joke in South Park of just someone mentioning it and Mr. Gash and throwing up and been like, waited through that entire damn movie to see the, see the alien. And I was like, God damn father. <laughs> so that's, that's all contact is to me. And I was like, what, you don't see an alien in it? It's just their dad? Oh, the hell with that. I'm never watching that movie. Yeah, that's what you get when you take George Miller off a project. Yeah. Well, oh, well, oh he, I'm sure he would have he forked out for the aliens, right? Oh, probably. He was going hard sci-fi with it, though, so I'm not quite sure what kind of aliens he would have got. But a lot of good came out of it. He got the rights to the Mad Max stuff back from Warner he Brothers. Did. They said, step away from the project and we'll give you Mad Max back. And he's like, okay. Oh, oh it'd be great if he, just, if, he knew, if he actually knew what he was doing there, where he's just coming in and like, I'm gonna, I am going to drive this movie into the ground. <laughs> and he's, like, he's literally pulling like a producer's-esque sort of like, yep, oh, this, we're doing all this. Oh, this movie is going to fucking tank. And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, just take the Mad Max stuff. Let's get off our goddamn Jodie Foster movie. <laughs> okay, it says 10 to 15 minutes. What, to transfer blood? Is that it? Or? To bleed out, I guess, technically. Okay. That's uh, your also the same thing as Rick. Your results may vary because sometimes it's faster depending mm-hmm. on your heart rate or, you know, if you're in an extremely action sort of situation, maybe faster than that. So when it says bleed out, I'm assuming that's open vein just pumping out. Well, it's saying like through an artery of some sort. Because the main thing that I'm caught up on, they sell these things. They are glass globes with spigots on them and you fill it with water and you put it into a house plant and as the soil becomes saturated with water the water in the glass thing stops flowing out of it and as the water in the soil evaporates the water flows from the glass orb to fill that void i understand where you're going with that the difference is that max has a pump his heart is pumping blood Mm -hmm. so there is force on one side yeah. There's also force into wherever this is going because I forgot. Is it attached to Nux? Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. It's so he's right also pulling. That pump is pulling in because his body is circulating the blood through his own body. Mm. Uh, I guess it's all you know. It's just the circumstances of Max needs to survive, so of course he's going to keep going. But like I remember, I, I went for like a blood uh, blood donation one time when like uh, and. When I was in there, they're like, oh, you know, you should really get, like, a taxi home. You shouldn't walk walk back after this. And I was like, why? And they're like, well, you're, you know, you're losing blood, so you're going to need time to regenerate. <laughs> and I was just like, Pah. And then just like, oh, of course I'm walking back. And then, like, halfway up the road, I was feeling woozy and stuff. I'm like, okay, maybe I should have listened to them and stuff. So the fact that, like, not only is Max, like, still fighting here, the fact that he's, he's like, at no point in the movie do you see him even eating or doing anything to sort of replenish his own blood supply. He needs a cookie and orange juice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was that? that was the one thing a Mortan Joe does for the people. It's like, all right, for the blood bags. Okay, of course, you've got to give them cookies and orange juice because they need it, of course. <laughs> well, you've got to remember, Max isn't human. Max is a fairy princess. 
Oh. And this okay. is the same guy that in Mad Max 79 got shot in the knee and the arm and then got up and walked away. Well, hobbled away. Yeah. I don't think he bleeds like a normal person. I have to say, too, extra kudos to Tom Hardy for just that thing in his face. Like, <laughs> I, oh, I'm, I'm always yeah. uncomfortable watching this movie because I would be so concerned that that was going to poke me in the eye. It's so close. And it's just like, hey, you ever know one, like, one unfortunate twist of the head or like maybe you bang your chin off something? And all of a sudden, those spikes are just going into your face. So the fact that he had to go quite a bit of the movie, it's a good, like, maybe a quarter of the movie, he's got that thing on. Mm-hmm. It's like, every day, and it's not even so much the fact that it's in danger of that. You, even in your sight, you'd be constantly seeing these things kind of up around your eyeballs. I, like, that in itself would have been more arduous than like, some of the stunts for me. I'd be like, I couldn't take that, just having that constant presence there. So, <laughs> you know, fair play to him for uh, for putting up with it, instead of just going to, like, George Miller, like, you mind just lowering these a little bit so they're not like right up in my freaking eyeballs? Yeah, but he did Bane before this, so he's like used to stuff on his face. Yeah. <laughs> he's been training for this moment his whole life. <laughs> it's like he was the one who originally pitched the Bane mask to Chris Nolan. He's just like, I've got this Mad Max film coming up. Uh, do you mind if I just uh, test out a few masks? And it's like, oh, all right, Tom. It's like, as long as you don't do like a silly voice or anything under the mask. It's like, of course not, Chris. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing, Niall. You merely adopted the full face mask. Tom Hardy was born in it, molded by it. He didn't even sport a bare face until he was already a man. (laughs) Getting back into the minute real quick. Max fights off Slit. Slit ends up hanging off the back of the Nux car. And in an effort to not get swept away by the road, Slit wraps an arm around Max's boot. And you could argue... Good strategy to keep Max from kicking you in the face, except it's sort of a Hobbit meme situation. Yes, you've immobilized one foot, but what about second foot? I don't think he knows about second foot, because in Max comes with that second boot, boh, right to the face, and then Slit is just poof gone. Yeah. (laughs) And so is the boot. Yep. Mm -hmm. For people who love feet, this is one of their favorite shots, I bet. Don't don't co-sign that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> actually has anyone checked like wiki feet for like, the Look. tom hardy entry to see if anyone's took a screenshot of that oh, one? oh i'm sure because <laughs> those guys will take pictures of anything so it's like someone must have got the blu-rays like all right go to that exact <laughs> second it's only there for literally a blink of an eye <laughs> screenshot i like that he can't be bothered to tie a shoe he's like i'm too action i can't be bothered to tie my shoe i gotta be able to slip it on slip it off mm-hmm. for these sorts of instances Plus, as we see, there are no socks in the post-apocalypse. So if you leave your boot untied, it's easier for air to get down inside and help it breathe. Still smelling. Oh my god. Yeah, that sounds incredibly unpleasant. I try yeah. incredibly hard not to think about how things smell in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> I try really hard. I can imagine, though, like because the whole world is basically a dung heap at this point, you probably got nose blindness to pretty much everything. I can imagine if they came across like a beautiful oasis and everything that had like proper like tulips and stuff, they'd be like, what the hell is this? This is awful. Because mm. it doesn't smell like the, the, the dank and the, the sweat and the, the, just the harshness of the rest of like our lives. So like, you know, I'm sure like a smelly boot is, is, is nothing to the, the people of the post-apocalypse. So Slit rolls away. He's left behind in the dust cloud. I'm sure he's fine. 
that sort of thing. <laughs> the car's not actually going that fast because it doesn't have a front tire. So for slit fans, I don't think they need to worry all that much. No, not at all. I mean, for people that aren't slit fans like us, probably wish they were going a little faster. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I know from personal experience, I hate the sensation of a shoe with no socks. So I and I kind of hold it against people who I see doing it like, you know, but they, like, I've seen like guys out nowadays with like, you know, you can see the ankle where they have like proper leather shoes on and stuff. It's like, where's your socks, man? What are you doing? So I, it's a kind of it's a bugbear of mine. So, but I'm, I know Max is in dire circumstances, so I'm not going to judge him too harshly. But still, once the, once he gets to where he's going, like I hope at the end of the movie, like before he takes off, he says to somebody like, hey, you got any spare socks around this place? Like, <laughs> going to need them out there. <laughs> well, with all the oceans dried up, Max could, in theory, drive to New Zealand where all the sheep are. Oh, there you go. Because even after a post-apocalypse, there are still going to be a just unbelievable amount of sheep in that country. Are you sure? Yeah, piles of dead sheep. No, I'm thinking mutated sheep, like that movie Black Sheep, where they become like big hulking mutant things. But what if they're Nike sheep? Oh, man. Hmm. They've lost the ability to grow wool. Because it's too hot. I'd love, though, if it turned out, like when they make Mad Max 5, that where he's going, like the reason he doesn't even stick around afterwards, he's like, the entire time he's been trying to get to New Zealand. (laughs) <laughs> to get to the sheep. And then the whole next movie is just his quest to do that. And then the twist at the end is that the sheep are all naked. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I've heard a rumor that for the next Mad Max movie that George Miller is planning, that he wants to do something a bit smaller in scope. Maybe not include three giant war parties <laughs> across hundreds of miles of space. And it would be really something. I'm not saying it would be good. I'm saying it would be something. If the entire movie was Max and he's getting harassed by an emu or something like that. Oh, that sounds incredibly plausible. And it was just him fighting a giant flightless bird. Kind of like Cujo, but instead of a dog, an emu. Well, the emu wouldn't even have to be possessed like Cujo was. Yeah, emus are pretty much assholes to begin with. Yeah. (laughs) Not as much as a cassowary, but still. They'll attack you just for the fun of it. Yeah. Maybe man versus nature. It would be the emu war all over again. Is that the name of the movie? I'll see. Like, I kind of want him to be like, he goes there and there's tons of naked mutated sheep. But so then he has to go and find a dog to train it to become like a sheep dog. So then he can tame the mutated sheep. And then it's just like the whole thing. It's kind of like a prolonged, like maybe in hearkening back to George Miller's other movies. Maybe it's he finds a pig and he trains the pig to be a sheepdog. Turns out this is a sequel to Babe the whole goddamn time. <laughs> or if you really want to throw it for a twist, it's a prequel to Babe. Oh. <laughs> and by the time the Babe movie comes out, the old farmer is secretly Max and society Ooh. has just recovered. Because oh, that, that farmer was such like a kind of monosyllabic asshole as well. It's like he that, that totally works. That's one hundred percent. That's my head cannon now. Thanks for that. Like, plus, that's why all the animals are talking. It's like oh, they're mutated animals. Like you know, he's just ignoring them. Like he, he can hear them, but he just doesn't talk back to them. Well, I think we already talked about when we were talking about Happy Feet during our hiatus episode that we supposed that Happy Feet might be a prequel to the Mad Max series. What? Because it focuses very much on environmental issues and conservation and how the penguins are initially threatened by overfishing and because the penguins dance that people 
stop fishing in Antarctica or something like that. And we theorized that because all of the fishing moved out of Antarctica, it put pressure on the nations and there were different demands that cropped up. And so because the global trade situation changed because of the dancing penguins, then society fell apart because shortages started happening. That's okay. I'll die for dancing penguins. We're just looping <laughs> all of those George Miller's movies together just because. I was like looking to see like a, if this happened, like Johnny driving around the post-apocalypse now and like and everyone else is just like, oh, so awful. Goddamn penguins. And, and she's like, just like this hardened <laughs> Mad, Mad Max character of like, fuck it. No, it, it was totally worth it for the penguins. I'll have like a, a little like peeker sticker of penguins <laughs> and I'll play like happy feet music in my car and I'll just be like, down and out. Everybody, it was me. <laughs> it's the reason this is like this is because penguins rock. <laughs> when we were talking to Mark Sexton back in week one of the podcast, he was the storyboard artist for Mad Max Fury Road and also did pretty much a ton of production design on Happy Feet. And he tried to sneak a penguin into this movie and it did not work out, Dang. unfortunately. Uh. They were able to sneak a gremlin into Beyond Thunderdome, but they did not sneak any penguins into Fury Road, unfortunately. There should have been a penguin drawn on the guitar <laughs> the flaming guitar but it's like how can you not sneak it in it's like it's literally you could put anything in this movie and i'll be like yep yeah, fine i'll go with mm -hmm. it <laughs> like it's, i don't understand where the where, where does the line miller draw like where does he put it just like no 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 that's too silly like it's like it's like look, look at everything else in this place. that's too silly for you like, yep yeah, no uh, the, the penguin any sighting of a penguin in this situation is going to completely kill the movie. So, no, see, we're going to take that out. <laughs> as far as design is concerned, you've really got to weigh aesthetics with utility. And I bring up utility because as we're drawing closer to the sandstorm, Nux does something. He grabs a handle on his driver's side door and he slides it forward. And that driver's side window goes straight up. And I love that it's a handle system and not a crank system. Because it's so much more smooth and we don't have to sit there and watch Nicholas Holt sit there and turn a crank <laughs> for half a minute waiting for that window to go up. Yeah, I was very impressed with how quickly that window went up. Like, I'm a little jealous of that feature. <laughs> like, right now, I have crank windows because the salesman at the car dealership said, oh, you don't want power windows. They break down all the time. And I'm like, yeah, no, but I also don't want to pay to have power windows put in, so I'll stick with the crank style but now well I, I say this like it's a bad thing i go through drive-through restaurants less often because it takes so long to roll down my window and it's winter time right now when we're recording you're like god dang i just want taco bell god dang it give me my beefy crunch burrito yeah just, can't you just like anticipate that you're gonna need the window down and just like all right well i better gotta as I mentioned, as we're recording this, it's still winter time. So, yes, I can roll down the window ahead of time. It's just 30 degrees outside Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Sometimes you got to suffer for these things, though, Rick. You know, so, you know, if you want it, <laughs> you have to go through a bit of pain to get to the, the pleasure. Like, that's just... Just come live down here. It's like, never cold. Ever. It sucks. <laughs> that is tempting. Yeah, but I know there are many other things that Florida is known for besides warm temperatures year-round, and I'm willing... Like the Golden Girls? Yes, the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah. He, Rick is actually... His fear is the Golden Girls. Yeah, I have a deep and abiding fear of old people. 
<laughs> so don't come to Florida. Just kidding. <laughs> no, sometimes I hear stories coming out of Florida and I think, oh, that sounds like a good script for Mad Max. Oh, like gators and also storms that look like this freaking storm that we're about to drive into. <laughs> exactly. When Nux drives into this storm and it hits Max full force in the face because he's up on top of the car. He's trying to pry open the moonroof to, I guess, climb inside and hang out with Nux. Mm. I say hang out. He's he's going to wreck that dude when he eventually gets his hands on him. But when it hits him, it throws him back with such force that if he were not chained to the dude driving the car, he would be in the same situation as Slit right now. So I guess it's like, it's like oh, you know, a bit of serendipity there. They're like, oh, thank God I'm chained to the guy inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be pretty screwed. I'm grateful that he's chained so that there's protection for the needle going into his... Where is the needle going into? Oh, the needle's in his neck. In his neck, that's right. Nux has got a wrist needle, but Max has a neck needle. Yeah, the Uh. idea of like pulling on that needle weirds me out. So I'm very grateful for the chain. I appreciate how they've rigged it up where there is a little bit of slack between the needle and where it connects to the mask. So he can move his head around and when it pulls, it pulls on the mask. It doesn't pull on the tube inside. Yeah. Because, oh, that would rip him apart mm. if it didn't have that type of setup uh, i will also say i i very much appreciate uh tom hardy's very subtle uh mr bean impression mm. and he's as he's tugging he gets up there and he does a kind of <laughs> i was like oh that's totally that's a mr bean impersonation he just slipped one in it's like oh yeah they can't get a penguin in but i'm getting a friggin' mr bean impersonation in this movie <laughs> it kills me <laughs> although in a bizarre way in that shot though of him tugging it almost doesn't look like Tom Hardy. It just—it almost looks like, like it's like Jared Butler or someone, just with the mask on. It's just the circumstances. Like I've, I've got that that got shot frozen at the minute. Okay, there have like been Hardy other moments where I thought that it has looked like Gerard Butler. <laughs> Maybe they started filming with Jared Butler and then tell anybody. <laughs> I'm like, no, he ain't working out. He's complaining about that weird mask thing too much, so we gotta get rid of him. And they just slipped Tom Hardy in without like like never leaking it to the press. At the suggestion that he's grunting like Mr. Bean, I jumped on Google and I searched for Rowan Atkinson Mad Max. And the first thing I got back was a photoshopped image. It started off as a promotional image for the movie, but someone photoshopped in Mr. Bean sitting on top of a chair that's strapped to the top of this Mini Cooper. Mm. I think it's from one of his TV episodes or something oh, the, like that. Yeah, that is that is an episode of Mr. I, like I watched Mr. Bean about fifty times. Like, yeah, I'm gonna save this image and I'm gonna post it on the listener page. Absolutely, yeah. that's a. It's one of those things. Like I don't even know if it's a good show, but it's just a show I've seen a lot. As well as looking back now, I was like, I mean, I guess it's pretty funny. <laughs> but like when I was a kid, it was the greatest thing ever and stuff. Although I still, I'm currently, uh, I'm throwing out that now they're doing a whole Batman recasting and stuff. I'm guessing Jeremy Irons is going to go as Alfred. I'm, I'm throwing in Rowan Atkinson for Alfred. I think mm. he, I think it's time for him to branch out. Go with, I, I think he'd be he would actually really really be good in that part. So I'm just I'm putting down as my official my official backing. Even though by the time this episode airs, it could be well of <laughs> cast you know friggin' Timothy Dalton or something in that part. But like uh, it's possible. Yeah, just uh, just so people know, just that's, that's my official stance. Because I know people are going to be like emailing, going, "Niall, who do you think should play Alfred when you're talking about Mad Max?" But just I'm just get that cleared up now, because I get that in every other show I go on. People constantly asking that question. So there it is. I've I've said it publicly now. Well, as 
astronomical as that may seem, it's equally astronomical that Nux would be able to drive into this storm, given how low visibility is, and actually find the war rig, because he's driving without a front tire, so his steering is all wonky, his speed is down, because he's not able to get the traction of all four tires, that rim is basically holding him back as much as it can. And so the fact that he goes headlong into this storm, knowing full well that he could never see the war rig again, it's just an example of his devotion. And thankfully for him, convenient lightning is convenient, and he's able to make a beeline straight for the war rig. Nux as a character is is very interesting to me, because it is pretty much like you still completely sympathize with him, particularly if you're watching the movie a, a second time. The first time you watch it, you don't like him because he's set up as a villain, and then eventually you, you grow to like him. Or at least I did. But the second time, because you just know, like, oh, this is just a, a, a person who's been completely indoctrinated into, uh, you know, Immortan Joe's world and stuff. So it's the whole time, everything he's doing is just like, he doesn't know any better. Like, he, even when he's referring to Max's blood bag and, like, giving him crap and stuff... I don't think he kind of sees that as a problem. He's just like, this is just the way things are. So, <laughs> I, I, like, it's just, uh, it, it's very interesting as a character to me. This is like, yeah, he's, just, you know, um, everything he does is so, uh, like, we'll see later in the week, you know, he's prepared to, like, bomb, suicide bomb himself and stuff for the, for the greater good. Shut it! So it's like, oh, I've, I've quite a, don't know if there's many characters, like, and many lead characters in a movie that have that going on like where you're just following someone who's completely brainwashed pretty much the entire movie and uh you're like you're just sort of like oh yeah i feel i just feel a, a kinship with this guy in, in a bizarre way yeah nux definitely has the most full-fledged character arc in this movie mm. now there is a long shot that happens about 45 seconds into this minute but it relates very much to content that we're going to see in wednesday's minute so i think we're gonna bump it and we'll talk about it when we start up in the next episode so in the meantime niall and johnny if people wanted to hear more of each of you where should they go uh you want to go first johnny or uh yeah of course you can search on all podcatchers austin powers minute and you'll be able to find What's going on with me? And you can join our Facebook, which is the Austin Powers Men on Facebook, but also the Society, which is the Electric Psychedelic Pussycat Swingers Club. Uh, and yeah, um, for Bat Minute, where we're going through uh, all the Batman movies from 1989 up to and including 1997, uh, just do what Johnny did, except uh, you know, go and erase Austin Powers and just write Bat instead. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, pretty much, yeah, you'll you'll get us. Uh, except our listener society is called the Bat Minute Listeners Cave. Uh, but yeah, you'll find um, you'll find me and my co-host John and a, a plethora of uh, movies by Minute people, including Rick and Julia, who are on uh, for Batman Returns, as was Johnny Powers. Uh, everyone here has been on the show at some point. So uh, yeah, go, go on over. We, we're having a good time over there. And of course, everybody can also be found by going to just moviesbyminutes.com. Type in what you want at the top and you'll eventually find what you're going for. There's, <laughs> I think, over a hundred different podcasts on that website at this point. So go hog wild with it. As for us, when we come back on Wednesday, Nux will catch up to the war rig. There will be a toxic tornado that just sweeps up everybody, it feels like. And, of course, George Miller will get his trailer shot. 
The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 28 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.